The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. All right, we are live. I am Bill Amadeo from... McManus Amadeo and Rayborn Associates. Shiawassee Six. I get those six moving there, right? Jesus. Anyway, you know what today was, guys? Today was Witness Hunting Day. You know what Witness Hunting Day is? Let me help you out there. Because not every criminal defense lawyer will do this. What we do at our firms is we call witnesses. We try to get information on witnesses. And today, I feel like an ugly kid with no money that's trying to get a prom date. That's how I feel today, right? You feel me on that live audience? Holy shit. I have been blown off on Texas. Had phone calls hung up on me. People keep saying they don't want to be involved. They know who I am. However, they have information... That could exonerate an innocent client. And there's other ways around this. I mean, you know, there's unique methods within the rules of professional responsibility. But you try to go old school and make phone calls today. It's been a frustrating one. I have spent hours trying to gather additional information. Let me be clear on this particular case, which we won't name names. I feel great about this case, but I'm trying to get an extra edge. On my own time on Saturday, calling people up with leads I had, and you're like hitting your head against the wall. Oh. Let me tell you about my day so far, then we'll get into this. I'm in the gym, like 6.30, shower up, come to the office, right? Get to the office, start working on two major files. Um... Then you start reviewing companion civil complaints. Then I start working on a HIDA petition. Then I had client intakes. Then I had a Zoom arraignment. Then I put together the stuff. Because old day I was getting taxes about the live last night. So I said, I'll respond to that. I'll respond to it on Facebook. But I want to do it after I've done my required work. When I say required work, you know what I mean, right? It's Saturday. We put in the extra time. Get done the required work. Hit the gym. And then I'll respond. And I will tell you. The prom blog. Some people are a little salty about that. Some provide interesting perspectives. And I will answer those questions. I have some things. So today we're going to talk about the Lavernier, Tennessee matter. Briefly, we'll get into the AC prom taxes. Then I will give you a list of stalker songs. These are songs that stalkers have sent me quite often during breakups or old relationships. People send like videos and songs to express their feelings. It's an interesting concept. I've got 11 of them right here that I was looking at, some old ones. I'll give you my insight on the person who sent them and what the song was and the meaning. So that'll be fun. Another layer of the onion gets peeled. Whatever. Let's talk about Tennessee. So, the cops having sex. It reminds me of The Sopranos. You remember that one episode where the cop says, hey, watch the teeth, honey? Oh, my God. So, you know. Dave Cruz, wait for the prom replies. Joe Abera, six. Um... I don't get this because, okay, first of all, my father was an Atlantic City cop before he got kicked off the force. Uh, not that close with that. But he was like an attractive 40-year-old guy and he was courting my mother who was 17 at the time. Yeah. I mean, from what I know about police, and I was in the academy for a minute myself, um, you know, women like cops, right? There's that term holster bunnies or holster chasers and 
I mean, I imagine Mike McCartney's out there. He could relate to this, but women always liked police. So, I'm not shocked that there's sex going on. I mean, I'm more concerned how they're doing for the community. And we'll talk about Megan Hall in a minute because she's really... Her face is plastered across social media like the Scarlet Letter. Here is what one of the press releases stated. The investigation... We're talking about the Tennessee case now. The investigation found that some officers who worked second shift were engaging in unreported sexual relationships, having sex on duty, and on city-owned property, and committing sexual harassment by sending explicit photos and videos. Okay, stop. Hey, Mike. Having on duty, having sex on duty and on city-owned properties. Hmm. <laughs> sexual harassment by sending explicit photos and videos uh, here's my question and I'm somebody who gets a lot of unsolicited photos and videos and I don't utilize them but I never felt sexually harassed by that who's sending these photos and videos and were they consensual because it all comes down to consent right I know I know a lot of prosecutors don't understand that theory. That if it was consensual, there's no such thing as buyer's remorse CSC, but um, I'm not sure this was sexual harassment. I don't know. But let's go further. The document includes an investigation of sexual harassment of officers, which involves sending nude photos of one of the officers who was ultimately fired. The report mentions officers failing to report their sexual relationships and sexual activity while on duty. Alright, so let me stop there. The report mentions officers failing to report their sexual relationships and sexual activity on duty. Did you want the cops to basically confess that they were having sex on duty? The document also mentions a finding of workplace violence and accuses McGowan of coming into the HR office and putting his hands around the neck of another. I don't know what happened there. Another finding accuses Pal McGowan of conspiring to be untruthful during the investigation. Alright. So, I keep seeing these pictures of Megan Hall. Poor Megan Hall. Let me ask you guys this. Number one, I think it's kind of sexist. It, apparently, there were men and women. The accusations are having consensual sex on duty, right? And there were pictures going back and forth. I, I always wondered about the pictures. I'm proud to say there are no naked photos of me anywhere. I mean, it's more of a woman thing, right? Does it, do you want to see a guy's private parts? I know a lot of cops I know do this. They send, like, cock shots and stuff. It's really confusing to me. Because this is what we call party admission, guys. And all I could say is, knowing Atlantic City cops from the 70s and 80s, thank God cell phone technology wasn't what it was today. Because out in Tennessee, all hell's breaking loose here. My questions are as follows. Number one. Were the officers protecting the community? Number two, did they make the community a safer place, which is really a qualifier, number one. And number three, I mean, look, if we open the closet, anyone's closet, and there's people watching out there, there's people that will rewatch this, I know the LinkedIn people will have a different perspective than the Twitter people, but if we opened up anybody's closet, would we find skeletons? In no way am I condoning having sex on duty. What I guess I want to know is, was the job of police officer getting done here? How did this stuff really leak? And why are we making Megan Hole to be, to wear a scarlet letter? I mean, this is unfair, but let's be real about things. And I will be as objective as possible. If I'm a male cop, and I'm getting with a lot of women on duty. I am deemed a player and cool. 
But if I'm a woman cop that's doing this, I'm deemed a slut. I don't know Megan Hall. I have no idea who she is, but I feel like her life has been shattered by internet trolls right now. Curse, she may have been in an open marriage or something like that. I didn't get that deep into it. And, and Mike, right, more like a burial ground. We all got skeletons. Shit. I, I, I don't know. I feel really bad for Megan Hall. I mean, she's probably a better officer than some of the people I know who may not have been called having sex on duty, but certainly have hit evidence. I'd rather have a cop going to do their thing on duty if to still protect the community than to hide evidence of discovery. I don't know her, but I don't feel she's being treated with equal handed punishment right now. I have been sent over 40 memes on her, and I don't know the woman. I'm not involved in the story. I'm not following this that deeply. And I keep seeing this poor girl's picture blasted everywhere. You want to terminate them, go ahead, I guess. But I mean, don't we want to look at their record as an officer? Do we want to look at did they make that place safer? I mean, do we really want to just destroy her? And these people based on these selfies that were being sent? I don't know. I don't know. To me, there are much bigger crimes to worry about. And if these people that were having sexual dalliances on duty were protecting the community as a whole, I think we need to take that into consideration. Just me. And I, I do feel bad for Megan Hall. I don't know. Um, maybe she ends up in Michigan I'd hire as a private investigator. <laughs> All right. Let's get to those prom tacks. Holy shit. Dude, and Dave Cruz, there were some hurt feelings on this one, man. I mean, I... Dave Cruz, he he grew, he was in the Ducktown area. He knows. We both had in-school suspension sophomore year for fighting. Um, I don't know, man. Th those prom taxes, they were really really out of control and i'm gonna tell you i'm amazed that half the free world has my cell number and i want to thank scott grable for that because when my criminal defense career took off in 2018 scott grable and his infinite wisdom put my cell number on clear plastic business cards so um if you were ever charged with a crime, you may have found one of my business cards in the restroom or my number could have been plastic. And not just my firm's number, but 609-816-9438. What's up, Joe? I, and I, I'll say it. I mean, 609-816-9438 is my cell. And I might as well just put it out there on Facebook since Scott put it out there on business cards for the whole goddamn world to see. And luckily, for $20 online, you could find anybody's cell number. So... I had all sorts of interesting texts last night. Let's take one. This is from somebody who grew up in Ventnor. And he says, I believe he was intoxicated because the spelling errors are really... And this is me talking shit about grammar. <laughs> wow. You don't speak lies. I think he means to say I speak lies. Little vodka goes in, right? Um... You don't speak lies. The prom was great time for all. It influenced me in my life today. Okay, so dude, from what I understand, you're like in an 80s cover band in addition to your work, and you like to do selfies at the age of 45 online. So I'm glad that the prom influenced you to take this um, great course of action. Second text, somebody else from the Ventnor Margate area. You talked a lot of shit about me, and despite what you think, I still think I'm better looking than you today. My response was, I didn't mention you in my blog. This is <laughs> this is scary. I do think I'm better looking than that guy. But this is what's scary. Some of these people out there are like 
personalizing these blogs when it's not about them. Holy shit. Here's from someone who is an English teacher today. And they say, How dare you put down the writing programs at Atlantic City High School? It set the tone for so many of us, and you just are not appreciative of the lessons that we were taught, and that's why you were never in the inner circle. Alright, listen. Bro, your inner circle has evolved into this weird set of dysfunction, and Facebook has given you a platform for that. Let me tell you, Mr. English teacher who thinks you're better than me and brags hell, your teacher had you read a book a week. I mean, she didn't teach you common sense when you're reading that book a week. Let me tell you the story that was turned down by the English department. And Miss Scandia believed in me, and your English department didn't. And I'm not sure why my prom blog comes down to the English department. I know I dropped in a line there, so I guess I get it, but whatever. When I wrote my personal observation submission, I wrote about being in children's hospital and nearly dying, and there were three children in the room with me. Damon, Donald, and Eric, all three had passed away, sadly. Damon and Donald were two young black kids that had sickle cell anemia, and were a couple years older than me, and I didn't know what sickle cell anemia was, and I got a crash course lesson that. And then Eric had cancer. And I wrote about how the nurse was brutal. She was like a dictator. And I used to do like wheelchair races with these kids. And my aunt was crying and saying, Billy, you do what you got to do to make these kids happy. And we were bonded for that week and a half that I was in children's hospital. And I told the story about how I was 13 years old from the ghetto, going to Children's Hospital, and being with these kids that were dying, and how it influenced me. And the person in charge of the submission said that story was not what they were looking for. What they were looking for were stories about idiots having their first sexual experiences and smoking pot for the first time. So let me help you out here. You may be better at grammar. You may know how to catch a comma splice more than me, but when it comes to deep and passion and the true story and being real, you couldn't hold my jock strap to quote Larry Holmes. Let me be really clear about this, dude. You ran into the field of education because you couldn't make it in the real world. And if I hurt your feelings, Telling my views on the Atlantic City High School prom in 1994, you really need to increase your medication. And I'm sure your shrink that you hook up with once every two weeks will do that for you. So, good talk on that. Seriously, kiss my ass. Ooh, he's offended the English department at Atlantic City High School. I mean, bro, there's shit on Netflix, right? Get real. You couldn't have walked a mile in my shoes. Now, I got a text from somebody else. And this one I'm going to spend a little time on. Because I'm just going to say this person is somebody I hold in high regard. I respect this person a great deal. And I'm in the gym this morning and we're texting back and forth. And they say to me, truth is... I'm going to read this exact text. Truth is, we all got a sad story. Either make it your excuse or your motivation. I'm going to tell you about this person who I respect the hell out of. This person was poor. This person picked themselves up by their bootstraps. This person has done really great things. And this person is somebody I admire and respect. This person and I are kindred in a lot of ways. Because we did experience the same geographic area. And we have a lot of similarities based upon where we came from. And we both have found levels of success in our field. But this person and I have a completely different view 
of Ducktown, they said to me verbatim, I will never view Ducktown as the ghetto. Let me tell you why I do. And respectfully to this person, who I admire a great deal, I can't stress that enough. We had different experiences there. You escaped to Ventnor and Margate. You were an attractive female, not an undersized boy. You had outlets for your education. I didn't have that. When I think of the bus station, I think of fear. I think of going to get bus tickets there and being robbed and mugged. And I think you might view it as a way to get the Ventnor or Margate. And I mean no disrespect by saying that. When I think of the fence that separated Pitney Village from my house, I think of watching people die on a regular basis. When I think of the Patsy Wallace gym, I think of like being in like this little prison and this facility like the little enclave to trap you in. I do not look back on Ducktown with fondness. I don't look back on it with happiness. I look back on it as a prison, a war zone. It was hell. I think back to the beatings, the stabbings, the getting shot at, the almost getting raped. I think back of being that scared little white kid having to pretend to be tough to try to get the... We watch it. I wound up in Facebook jail. Get the hell out of there. I do agree that where you came from helps mold who you are today. I agree with that. But I don't agree with your perception on the place. And it's one of those things where we could always talk about this, right? We always come back to it because we have Ducktown in common. I'm always going to respect the hell out of you. Understand that. But we don't see eye to eye on this issue. And I understood your texts this morning. But, um... Call foul on that. Because we did have different experiences there. It was not the best of times. It was not enjoyable. When people were going out and drinking and smoking weed and having sex and falling in love and doing all the things teenagers would do, my aunt pulled me by my neck, said, you study, you prep for mock trial, you could go to practice, you can't go to the party. You can't be a teenager because it's on you to get us the hell out of here. So I missed all those years. And I don't regret it because of where I am today, but I regret the surroundings. I'm glad my father wasn't in the picture because I wouldn't have been where I am today. But I'm pissed off at my father for not providing some kind of financial support so me and my aunt and my mom could have got the hell out of that hell hole. I don't regret Ducktown, but I don't look back with any appreciation to it. The only time I appreciate Ducktown is when I'm in a war, when there is a prosecutor or an attorney general on the other side that threatens me, or a judge that doesn't respect me for some reason, and they threaten me and I laugh because you know what? There's nothing anybody in the courtroom could ever threaten or do to me that comes close to what's been done to me. And that's because of goddamn Ducktown in the 90s. And I mean that for everyone watching right now. It was not fun. It was not pure. Your childhood was taken from you. You were told you had to be the man in the house at the age of 14. You were told if you didn't become successful, we were going to die here. Okay, so please, when people want to tell me Ducktown wasn't that bad, I gotta tell you, you didn't walk a mile in my shoes, 
and maybe because you found some success in life, you look at it through a different lens. But man, it was brutal. So Pitney Village was a war zone. And yeah, it was better than Virginia Avenue Courts. It was better than Back Maryland. It was better than Stanley Homes. But it wasn't good! Back Maryland was probably the worst. Virginia Avenue Courts, horrible. Stanley Homes, brutal. Ducktown was really dangerous and scary and bad. But as you kept proceeding more towards Ventnor, when you kept going to your right, things got a little safer, right? Okay. So. When I was 19 years old, and this is the thing about the ghetto. When I was 19, and I'm still at community college, and I'm busting my ass as a bartender, and I got my aunt and my mom the house in Ventnor. I put that shit on my back. I said, we're getting the hell out of here. And you know what mom said? Because she was a product of the environment. She was scared. She didn't want to leave our house. And I grabbed her by her arm and said, Mom, get in the goddamn car. We're leaving. We're packing up the animals. We're getting our shit. And we're never going to look back on this goddamn hellhole. And we didn't. That was on me, man. That was on me. When the eviction notices were on our goddamn house at 109 North Willow Avenue. When mom was sick and couldn't work in the casino. When Aunt Mare was sick. When we didn't know we were going to survive. When the gunshots were coming from Pitney Village. And you're in your room, petting your animals, studying. Kind of wishing you could be one of the Margate kids. Because they're having fun. Guess what, dude? It wasn't going to happen. It was not going to happen. And I knew that would be the worst time of my life. I knew that. It was survival of the goddamn fittest. When I hear people come at me and make verbal threats or say something stupid online, it's kind of comical, dude. You don't know what the hell I've been through, and I'm glad you don't. But let me tell you, dude. Threatening me is a pointless endeavor. There is nothing a prosecutor could do to scare me. Fear is not somebody at the Attorney General's office who rolls their eyes on YouTube. Fear is not somebody who grew up in the suburbs that tries to tell you what the court rule is and is worried you know more than them. Fear is having a revolver put to your ear. Fear is having somebody try to kill your dog. Fear is protecting your mom from getting raped. Fear is walking home knowing that the only thing between you and Pitney Village is this sticky brown fence that is rickety and can fall at any time. That's fear. Not some bullshit civil litigator that wants to throw people into a complaint don't belong together. Stop. Don't try to muscle me. Don't go there. Because you haven't seen the crazy of me yet. It's under control. But let me tell you. <laughs> watch it. Because when I get back to that zone. When I'm in that zone. That fearless zone you see. That scares the shit out of people. It's because the lessons I learned from Pitney Village. And I'm grateful for that. But yeah I wish things would have been different. Of course I do. What a bullshit about that. So. For people that got upset with the problem, I want to say to the Atlantic City person, your taxes are always welcome and I respect your opinion. To the Ventnor and Margate kids who got offended by Bill Amadeo's blog, dude, it's time to grow a set of balls. Come on, you're in your mid-40s. Let's go. Chop, chop. I get it. You married the wrong women. Got kids you don't like. All those IQ tests proved wrong. Mommy and daddy can't protect you anymore. At some point in our life, shit's going to hit, right? At some point in our life, we're going to have to be a man or a woman. Some of us, it happens at 10. Some of us, it happens at 50. But it's going to happen at some point.
So, when you want to talk shit about me, stop. Come on. Look at the scoreboard, man. Let's just be real about things. Can you really say I'm a lousy criminal defense lawyer? Can you really say I'm only successful because of social media? I mean, in your heart of hearts, let's be serious. I hope you enjoyed the prom. I gave my perspective on it, and I don't apologize for that. The fact that some English teacher and guy who's in a wannabe band is crying about it years later. I don't know what to tell you, man. Mental Health Therapy is amazing. I welcome that. So we're going to end on this. Stalker songs. Nice transition, right? Many times during breakups or delayed reporting breakups, I have been given songs that have expressed their feelings towards me. And, you know, some of those songs are really interesting. It's intuitive, right? I think of the historical time frame. And it's amazing how I could have been dating somebody in 2006 and in 2021 they want to send a song to express their feelings. Let's go through some of these hits. The first one I really remember was Insensitive by Jan Arden. Somebody sent this to me 30 times. If you ever heard the song, it's really... The person who sent it, like, we broke up. Um, it was basically a long-distance relationship that wasn't going to work out, and I uh, it's not going to work. Song and Sensitive comes on. And when I look back at the time period it came, eh, you know, not a bad song. Brighter by Paramore. This is a delayed reporting one. When I say delayed reporting, we broke up a long time ago. And they sent this. Listen to the song Brighter by Paramore. Paramore is a band that relates to crazy females. If you are a crazy female, I promise you Paramore is part of your music catalog. I'll leave it at that. Found Out About You by the Gin Blossoms. This was a weird one, because this girl from law school was cheating on me, and she sent me this song when I started going out with somebody else, and she found out I was involved with somebody else after we had broken up. I'll tell you, man, shit gets weird. How's it gonna be by Third Eye Blind? Oh my god, so many people have sent this one. What's gonna happen when we break up? How's it going to be? I always think back to Michael Jordan's farewell with this song, How's It Gonna Be? But it is a great, great song. Joanna Raggio dropping some knowledge. <laughs> All right. Early Sunsets Over Monroeville by My Chemical Romance. All right, let me explain this one. Um, this is a really deep song. It's 16 years ago now, and <sighs> Gerald Way is the singer of My Chemical Romance. If you ever heard this song, check it out. I'll, I'll try to post it later. Gerald Way's voice is so powerful. We're the same age. I, I knew people who knew him and blah, blah, blah. And he's had some issues, but what a talent. And when he sang this song, here's what they wrote about it. Afterwards, everybody just left and went outside to smoke cigarettes because they couldn't deal with looking at Gerald after he sung that. He had just ripped himself open in front of everybody. He'd taken it so far it was uncomfortable for anyone who was friends with him. They hadn't seen Gerald as a singer. They saw him as their buddy, Gerald. It's a little scary to see somebody do what he did. That's how powerful that song was. And the young woman that sent that to me, it's weird because the song is about a guy whose wife gets bitten by a vampire. I'll leave it at that. Your Own Disaster, the acoustic version. This was a law school girlfriend. If you ever heard Your Own Disaster by Taking Back Sunday? Okay, again, look at artists when they're young. And the passion they have at that point as to when they start making money and get older. It was really a deep thing, and it's a song about farewell. Um, 
leave on the light and your friends are whispering by lucky boy's confusion let me tell you stuby pando stuby and gerald wade have the two most powerful voices i've ever heard in my life and those two songs really talk about breakups and moving on and how things just didn't work out wasn't right time wasn't right circumstance and the same girl sent that to me when it was over and you gotta think with these songs like is it a cry for help last two are handwritten by the gaslight anthem and back to good by matchbox 20. back to good is about a song and there's a reason this one sent this song back to good is about being with the wrong person you're with somebody but you want to be with somebody else and this one she went with the other guy basically it was a financial situation we were kids and she sent this song over and over again and i will tell you when somebody sends you a song when it's over in their mind it's not really over so you could appreciate that on some level watch your back okay well now we covered tennessee cups we covered stalker songs we pitched about the prom responses are we good oh the jail visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is the jail visit on Shiawassee Radio. We're going to talk about a barrister's ball. I'm not going to say what year. But you know what? Cooley, they had the barrister's ball and that was like the Cooley prom where these geeks would get together and dance and drink and do all sorts of interesting things in the old temple building. They'd clear out the temple building, one of the floors, and let the dancing begin. And boy, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you dated a couple people and it didn't end great? Most of my breakups in law school because I worked too hard, and thank God that changed. But, um, you know, I, I date a lot of girls who got really pissed off that I would just work in the library and study, study, study. But to me, that's what we were here for, right? Let me tell you about this particular barrister's ball, and let me give you some background on it. There was a girl I was dating, and this is a unique scenario where a couple of ex-girlfriends were all at this ball. And guys, have you ever been in a situation when the room just gets too small? You know what I'm talking about, right? Ex-girlfriends are there, new boyfriends are there, you can't move, it may be a big room, but you are smothered, and it's like two defensive linemen coming at you like, holy shit, how do I get the hell out of here? And I decided to go different with this ball. I wasn't really a barrister's ball type guy, right? But I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to this one. And um, I asked this very nice, quiet young lady to go to the ball with me. And she was very shy. And she was excited that I asked her to go. And I thought we'd have a nice, quiet time keep hearing about this food the food's gonna be amazing and there's a live band and a dj it's got it all all right so i asked this nice girl she's excited we're going to go and um it's one of those things where um i don't think it was meant to be so let me tell you at the barrister's ball these tables right and you got these clicks and these clicks, it's really interesting. Because there's the academics, there's the grinders, the work ethics, the ex-jocks, the people that are going to fail out. And they kind of find each other, and they sit together. And I was a mixed bag, right? Okay, according to my LSAT, I shouldn't make it through law school. <laughs> Oops! Nelson Denny test, right, Pat Wilson? Norm fell. Um, 
But then I was kind of like this academic, because I really understood what was going on. And I was the work ethic guy, but yet I played a lot of softball. It was very confusing. Like, I didn't fit into... It wasn't a one-size-fits-all but me. So my table, that was a leader at my table. A lot of people flocked to me, and I was just having a good time. And it was all my inner circle, if you would, at this barrister's ball. And I had a girlfriend. An ex-girlfriend, I should say. And she was there with her new man, who she eventually married. Now, let me tell you about this girl. And I'm not going to say anything that she hasn't posted on social media. She went to her externship. And there was this old guy. Had a lot of money. And they hit it off. They had a relationship. He told her she couldn't be with me anymore. And this was a girl I really cared about this one. I mean, I know she's probably watching or she will watch at some point. I'll tell you. I, we had something real. It was temporary, but it was real. And she broke it down for me. She's like, hey, listen, I got to go with him. And here's why. He's got a lot more money than you. She actually said one of my favorite lines of all time. And she was, it was a play on Atlantic City Gambling. He is my Manhattan Shore thing. You are my Atlantic City crapshoot. She goes, I only wish you had his money. Okay. At the time, it was humbling, but she left me for him. And it's one thing to leave somebody for another party, as hurtful as that may be, right? But this guy tried to destroy me, tried to make sure I wasn't practicing law in New Jersey, tried to make up fake character and fitness issues. And it's ironic how karma has really taken its toll on this guy. But he shows up to the barrister's ball. Now, first of all, He's about 25 years older than everybody else at the ball. He shows up. They show up in this limo. And she's dressed to the nines. And he's all suited up. He's an old guy, but he's suited up. And then you're just kind of sitting there. and like hmm. They walk in. And she was... I don't know what's going on with her today. We talk once in a while. But she was one of these people who... She had to have the spotlight on her. It just had to be, right? And man, she was styling that night and drinking her ass off. And she comes over to my table. And it was weird because this old guy, he was really a good dancer, much better dancer than me. And he was out there and he's dancing his ass off and the sweat's falling off his brows and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And she has to come over, right? I mean, she couldn't just let it go. Comes over, and all my friends kind of know the story. And they're all there with their dates. And I got the nice, quiet girl there with me. And she takes her glass, and she slams it on the table. Now, she didn't break the glass, thankfully. I would have cut her hand on. B! She always called me B. Look at my man. Set limo out there. You see him dancing? He's a better dancer than you. And she's like flexing it and telling me what a great dancer he is. And, and he's out there dancing. He's really insecure. She's talking to me. And I'll tell you, man. I, I'm just sitting there watching this whole thing. And um, she says... What do you think of his dancing? And I said to her, does he need a blue pill for that as well? Didn't go over well. It did not go over well. And she got pissed off and she walked away. He shoot me daggers. Okay. Good. We're good. Other people at the ball. There were the girls who had their out-of-state boyfriend. And these poor bastards would come into the barrister's ball. And they would be, you know, thinking they were in this serious long-term relationship. Look, let me ask you something, guys. Do you really think long-term relationships with people in their mid-20s work well? I vote no. But these poor guys would come in and they'd be having a time of their life. 
and not realizing their girl was hooking up with somebody in law school with them, and it was, it was kind of fascinating. The professors dating the students was my favorite thing. I gotta tell you, I don't know where common sense went, but you would see professors walk in, a couple of them with two girls in their arms, and it's like, huh. That's fascinating. And drinking like they were a fish. And let me tell you guys, in the bathroom, the cocaine was flowing. As somebody who never even smoked pot in their life, I was like, this is really interesting. And I'm telling people I go to school with, you might want to wipe the nose. Coke's flowing. Boyfriends are coming in from out of town. My ex is with her old man. Literally her old man. Um, professors are with these girls and... You know, it's chaotic. It's nuts. Another ex-girlfriend of mine comes up. And mind you, the quiet girl is like horrified right now. She heard me make the blue pill commentary. She's hearing me tell people to wipe their nose with cocaine. I don't think this girl ever said three words. And she starts telling me, hey, hey, B, I really hear the food's going to be fantastic tonight. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'm not a big foodie or anything, but we paid big money by law school standards, so I'm thinking they're they're talking this food up. And Quiet Girl did her research. The food's going to be great. Another ex of mine, we'll just call her the California Blonde, she comes up, and she hears the quiet date of mine say that the food is going to be great. And she goes, let me tell you something. I saw a Sky Chef truck out there. So get ready to eat some really good food tonight. What California Blonde was trying to tell, quiet girl, as Axe is dancing with the old man and the coke is flowing, is basically, the food's going to be like shit. Touche. It was. Um, they really didn't, you know, if you're going to use a George Foreman grill to serve law students at $89 a plate, you got to make sure you don't give them plastic silverware to cut. A third ex-girlfriend of mine showed up there. She was wearing this um, gold dress. And it was really fascinating because she brought somebody with her who had an active warrant for him. He was a local. And uh, and he led the conversation. <laughs> I hope no cops are here because I got a local. I got a warrant for me. And I looked at her and said, well, you, you're dating somebody with a warrant? You're jealous, aren't you? Speaking of cops, there was a local cop. He was going to law school. I mean, good for you, man. More power to you. I have a lot of respect for police officers. Despite my arguments with many, I do respect the badge. I just don't understand why you would wear your police uniform to the barrister's ball. But, you know, <laughs> whatever works. The music was something they talked a lot about. Like, we're going to do this amazing, amazing music. And there was a band there. And they, they were okay, I guess. But it was it felt like the Titanic. Because of the people in the room, I'm going to say half of them failed out, right? And it was like... It felt like the Titanic. And in one of the songs they played was My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion, which was the theme song of the Titanic. And you got this feeling like these people are hoping they're going to survive, but reality is they're going to freeze to death in the real near future. The geeks were talking academics. The non-traditional students were chain-smoking. The out-of-town people were drinking like fish. Um, DJ1L... That was one of the guy's names. He was a DJ that failed out of cool, and he was there 12 years later. The clothing was really something. Because the clothing just made no sense, right? Um, we had the people that were dressed for the prom. You had the girls in the black miniskirts thought they were going to the club. You know, and after three bizarre encounters with ex-girlfriends, quiet girl who's horrified that her food sucks... And here's all these comments. She was kind of shook up. I took her home. And I, I kind of realized, like, yeah, this is, you know, even though Quiet Crow was nice, I got to tell you, 
as dysfunctional as my three exes in that room were, they were a lot more fun to go to an event with than Quiet Girl. And I'm kind of realizing this. You ever have that scenario where, like, here's the quiet one. She's nice. She's cute. And on paper, this is really somebody you should be enjoying the night with. But really, you were more into the hot mess who was screwing the older guy, the cute one who brought the guy with the warrant, and the California blonde who's pissed off about the food. Lo and behold, up with any of these people today. But, I mean, that's what was going through my mind that night. And um, and I went home, and I played with Winston and Bianca, my cats at the time, my law school cats. Lived great lives. Dave's, let me tell you, those law school cats, they saw some shit, Winston and Bianca. But, um... Had a good night watching DVDs and thinking to myself, there's something bigger than Lansing, Michigan. Barrister's Ball. Just a memory. Alright guys, it's been a really good day professionally. And I think that my strength might prescribe some really good medication for me to get me through this next couple months. And I'm going to back on that. I'm Bill Amadeo. I approve this. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.